No. What's your least favorite scary movie? Hi, friends. Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the absurd in all our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base. Even if we don't always get it. My name's Travis. My name's Jesse. And today we are talking My Valentine. It is a Who Into the Dark um, anthology entry, which I'll get into a little bit here in a second. Uh, but first, I I don't have any announcements per se, but I do want to give everybody a heads up that there is going to be a lot of talk of abuse and domestic violence in this episode. And I'm saying that with eyes wide open to the fact that last week's movie started off with a man beating the demonic conjoined brain twin of his wife out of her. So just so you know, relatively, there's more talk of um, abuse in this episode today. It's, it's a theme of this movie. It wasn't necessarily a theme. Of yeah, the it was movies. it was a plot device in Malignant and it it's the plot in my Valentine. So yeah. just just so you guys know, if it's a little bit too heavy for you and you feel like you need to skip it. That's fine. We'll be sure to put some resources in the show notes as well. Yeah. All right. So since you don't have any announcements, I'm just going to go right into the polls. That's what it's there for, baby. So we just asked you guys if you liked Malignant or not. Since it's a divisive movie, uh, we wanted to get everybody's reaction. This is one that actually had pretty big turnout for both sides. So like... We said this is a divisive movie. On Twitter, it was split exactly 50-50. But about right. Instagram, 74% liked it, and 26 said no. Wow. Look yeah, that's you, kind of surprising, Insta. right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a less divisive, but I mean, still, like, on Twitter, it was still pretty divisive. And, I, and since we've released that episode, I've just randomly seen people, like, shitting on it, just not even relevant to our episode. I just see, like, people not liking on malignant so i wonder if that's like a confirmation bias type thing or like recency bias or whatever it could be i don't know i got my biases wrong (laughs) don't take away my degree (laughs) i'm I'm questioning it but yeah that's it that's how people feel about it all right so cool we're ready to just uh jump right into this then yeah pretty much right away okay so i'm going to read through cast and crew really quick so I don't get too sidetracked with things because a lot of my fun facts and trivia has to do with the cast and crew. So I'm going to save it for after I've read through. Okay. And then we'll get into that. So this movie, um, it is an entry in the Blumhouse Television Into the Dark anthology series, which is on Hulu. It's got 12 episodes per year so each episode is about 90 minutes long so essentially a movie and it revolves around a holiday obviously this one is around valentine's day so this is this came out in 2020 this was in the second season there apparently was plans for uh additional episodes but uh you know what happened after 2020 in 2020 around 2020 yeah so are there still plans for it um, it didn't say definitively either way. It just said plans were kind of put on hold due to the pandemic. So that sucks. Yeah. So, you know, Blumhouse is out there doing its thing again. So maybe they'll get started on this, especially now that they're raking in all that Halloween money. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was written and directed by Maggie Levin. 
And the music was by Keely Bumford and Mark Hadley. Britt Barron played Valentine. Benedict Samuel played Royal. Anna Lore portrayed Treasure. And Anna Akana played Julie. I do not have a bugged. Bugged. Yeah, bugged. Bug, bugged. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a baguette. I do not have a bug. I don't have a buggy. Do you have a Ted? I don't have a Ted. Fuck. I don't have a budget. Okay. It's cheap. I mean, yeah. these are like, from my understanding of what Into the Dark is, it's yes. uh, like abandoned scripts that they- No, not necessarily. Okay. So I'll just go ahead and jump right into that. So two of the executive producers, I'm sure you did not pay this much attention to the credits. And if you did, good on you. I would be surprised. Two of the executive producers for this movie are Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. Do you happen to recognize those names? Scott Derrickson, yeah. Um, not the other person, though. Mm. I can't think. Where do you think you recognize Scott Derrickson from? He did like um, one of the Marvel movies, didn't he? I think, I think so. Uh, Doctor Strange. Yes, that's what it was that I saw. Um, I didn't write that from down. Doctor Strange, he did. I'm talking about specifically horror, though. Yeah. No. What the fuck do you do? You're gonna smack yourself when I tell you. Is it clown? Nope. What is it? Uh, they were both the writers for Sinister and Sinister Two. Ah, fuck. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So she was actually working with them on a script for Into the Dark, and they went to meet with uh, the people at Blumhouse, and. The script they had didn't fit the budgetary and timeline requirements for Into the Dark, which is how we know it's Bugged Head, uh, <laughs> which we could have assumed anyway. And there's a couple of other things that we see throughout that kind of uh, help us figure it out. But they still wanted to work with her, Maggie Levin. They still wanted to work with her. So she went through and she watched all of the episodes up until that point. And she really loved, and this is exciting because it's the first of the Into the Dark that we uh, saw, I'm Just Fucking With You. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one was great. Yeah. Yes, it was great. It was a perfect introduction to the anthology, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And she said she saw that one, and she said that it was just so aggressive. It had such an aggressive, bright visual style. And she has a background in music video directing. Mm. It's and pretty so, common, it seems. Yeah, and so she felt really comfortable being able to take that style. And she thought about Valentine's Day, the modern romantic themes, the nightmarish dating scene of LA. And she was like, cool, I can take my video directing experience, my music directing experience. I can take all of these personal things that I've had. I can set it in a single location on Valentine's Day. I can make a good story out of it. So that's what ended up happening. Cool. Um, she said that the script came from both personal experience, stuff that she's experienced and stuff that she's witnessed people around her experience, and also came from pop scandals in the past 10 years. And I think that really kind of shines through, especially when you think about it. Like, um, I know Kesha's lawsuit against Dr. Luke is still ongoing. I actually looked that up today because I was like, I'm pretty sure that that's fallen in this timeline. Yeah, no, they still haven't come to a conclusion on that case yet yeah i vaguely remember that i don't really know the details of it though yeah well um he basically he abused her and was holding the rights to her music over her head oh. so very similar to wow, this movie yeah. 
Um, we know all about Britney Spears' conservatorship. That yep. was huge news recently. Uh, I was reading some reviews and some online posts about this movie, and a lot of people, I do not remember the names because they're names that I'm not familiar with, but it's a YouTube uh, pop star, I guess, had a very, very similar story to this. Okay. So she's coming from the music industry, like... I mean, that's in LA, yeah, yeah. She probably, yeah, has experienced a lot of that stuff firsthand or seen it. Yeah, and that brings me to the music. So Keely Bumford actually also has a stage name she goes by, which is Dressage, and she wrote, sang, and produced all of the songs for Treasure and Valentine in this movie. The director did? No, 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 Dressage. So oh. Maggie Levin had worked with Dressage, oh, um, okay, okay. like yeah. knew her socially, and then they both worked on a club production in LA of something called the Rocky Horror Hipster Show, okay. which sounds amazing. And yeah, I couldn't find, <laughs> yeah, like I couldn't find written information about it. I just found all of their social media, which is like a bunch of videos and stuff. And like uh, Brad and Janet are gluten free in this production. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a good Why time. A, a I'm gonna highlight? have to. Well, no, like because it's they're hipsters. Okay. Okay. Like, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I. I'm definitely gonna be watching some of those videos later. Are they on YouTube? Uh, yeah, they're YouTube, um, Vimeo. Okay, yeah, so, so just yeah, online. Yeah, yeah, okay. online. Cool. Uh, so that all sounded really interesting. But so they worked on that together, and she felt that it was really, really important in this story, especially to have a female writer for the songs. And she knew that Dressage had this you know, the kind of poppy style that she was looking for. So what she did was she told her where in the movie she was going to have these songs, what the emotional um, highs and lows were going to be at those points and what kind of plot points had been happening. So she went off, she wrote and had them basically ready to go with just a few tweaks for the movie by the time they were ready to start. That's uh, impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was, I think really, really interesting. And I like that she gets like, the production credits for her songs. I feel like that's also thematically really important to that this cool. movie. I know you really like this, like the soundtrack. Too. Soundtrack slaps. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you know, what? it's been <laughs> stuck in my head all day today. It, it does that. It, like I, the, we first watched this movie in 2020, I think like yeah. we watched it cause we were into the anthology at that point and we watched it and I immediately was like, I need to have these songs in my playlists always and I listen to them very regularly. So I, yeah, but you can find like the full soundtrack. So all of the instrumental stuff too was done by Keely Bumford. Again, that's her like legal name. Um, And Mark Hadley. And they both actually get cameos at the end of the movie as part of um, Valentine slash Treasures Band. Yeah, so Keely is the one on the keyboard and... Mark is the one on guitar. Okay, that's cool. And you'll like this. Um, I don't know if this was just a joke or not. It was when I was like in a flurry of fact finding, but something on IMDb, I don't remember the full sentence. It was like something about occasionally performs under this stage name, Hark Madly. Hark Madly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so let me make sure I'm not forgetting anything else. Um, the visual aesthetic for Valentine and Treasure was based off of like big pop stars. Uh, they specifically cited Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, Melanie Martinez, and Charlie XCX. 
and Talia. <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, just seemed like a good time. I've got a couple of other things that I'll sprinkle throughout as we talk about it. But I was pleasantly surprised at how much information I was able to find. And a lot of this came from an interview with Maggie Levin on Nightmarish Conjurings. And Travis, you're going to be editing this episode. So remind me to plug that uh, the link to that into our show notes, too. So okay. that way people can read through that because I feel like it's really interesting. I will. All right. I think that's all I've got for now. So we're ready to go into uh, pre-discussion thoughts and ratings, if Talia will let us. Uh, yeah, actually, we need to calm her down real quick. <laughs> okay, now that Talia might be calmed down, I don't really know yet. She's got a lot of opinions. She does. She, she had she a lot was, of opinions last night while she, we were watching it. <laughs> yeah, she was very animated. All right, you want me to go first? Yes, I think you probably need to because I feel like I'm going to... There's a high possibility for a soapbox moment, so. Okay. Okay. There's always that with you. <laughs> uh, what do you think that I think about this movie? I want to know. I want to get that impression first. Okay. So I know when we first watch it, and we this is the second time we've watched it, full disclosure for everybody listening. I know the first time we watched it, I immediately was enamored, and you were just kind of like, meh. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't like some of the stuff that they did visually however that was two years ago you're a new man I've grown. you have a new perspective on how you watch movies and what you appreciate in movies That's true. I, yeah and i also feel like i appreciate the movie like the directorial decisions more this time around than i did the first time so i have a feeling that maybe your opinion is a little bit more favorable than it was the first time we watched it oh you think so Oh no, do you hate it more now? <laughs> hmm. Uh I actually loved it. Yay! <laughs> it, um I I always like <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> Jesse wins. <laughs> I um I immediately like I got sucked into it right away. I was like, holy shit, like this is grabbing me right now. I don't know if I was just when we watched it the first time, if I just wasn't in the frame of mind for that. Or I mean it, it's been two years, so I mean a lot has changed. Uh, about how I watch movies, especially after doing a podcast for over a year now. So, but yeah, I don't know what it was. Um, the story is really good. Um, I feel very sympathetic for the characters in this. Um, they make a they make Royal a really hateable character. Would you say that he's a royal piece of shit? He is a royal piece of shit. I so, say a that. real jerk. <laughs> a real jerk. A royal jerk. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Uh, yes, I mean. I don't even. He's pretty close to fucking Derek. Yeah. Uh, just again for posterity's sake, fuck fucking Derek. Yeah, fuck Derek. Uh, but yeah, Royal is a. Well, I'll get into that when I talk. Okay. Sorry, I don't want to take over your time. <laughs> no, but yeah, I got. I don't know. I just got really into it. Um, I uh, I liked it. I liked the characters. I liked the story that it told. It's very meaningful. It's a very real thing. Um. I'm sure it's like a very, for a lot of people, it'll probably hit a lot harder than others because, I mean, some people have lived this and, you know, that, I mean, it's a, I would imagine it's a very powerful for that, for those types of people. Um, But as somebody that obviously hasn't experienced what she's gone through in this movie, I still, like, I was pulled into it. I still think that some of the stylistic decisions are real, are a little bit strange sometimes. I feel like, 
at certain points it wants to try and be like scott pilgrim but it doesn't nail it like scott pilgrim does it scott pilgrim it had a reason for it and this one i felt like it was just kind of like in there because they kind of liked the way it looked but i just didn't really flow with everything else visually going on i guess I have a quote from the director about that that I want to share at the end when we go through uh, user and listener reviews. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to hear what they had to say about it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I liked it. I liked it a lot more. Before before we uh, talked about this, I probably would have rated this like a five or six. Um, now I think I'm going to give it like an eight, eight and a half, maybe actually. Holy shit. You might yeah. be giving it a higher rating than me. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, it, it's just, I thought it was a really good one this time. All right. Eight or eight and a half. Um, fuck it, man. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to give it an eight. Oh, okay. On my wow. End. Yeah. Um, and mostly just because I can't get out of my head comparing it to other stories with like, a relationship like this emotional abuse type storyline mm-hmm. which is not fair to this movie because it's different <laughs> see i can't really think of any off the top of my head that um, do that so maybe that's why i'm liking it a little bit more so i think a big thing for me that i i hold these movies very these types of movies very very dear to me the movies that show an emotionally abusive relationship because I think a lot of times when people hear about abuse they think of like lifetime or Mm -hmm. oxygen or whatever where the dude is roided up and drunk and throwing his wife up against the wall and she's like please stop and they're like why doesn't she leave and it's like that's not abuse doesn't start off with that like it starts off with these manipulation tactics and even if it never goes physical it still fucks you up so much and i not from a relationship sense but i have that experience of having been in an abusive environment and movies like this can be cathartic for me while still giving me that degree of separation Mm -hmm. enough for me to be able to enjoy it without going into a dark place for a week afterwards Um, But I always really appreciate seeing those things on screen that people would typically write off as little things because then they get to see how those little things lead up to bigger things. Um, So like with Royal, like he's got that scene where he's hiding the phone from her and he doesn't see how it's a big deal and he's just like well you just weren't paying attention to me and she's like dude that's not okay that's messed up and then the way he just kind of like turns it on her and is gaslighting her and it's so fucked up and she went through that for years and it messed with her head yeah and there's something very validating about seeing that on screen seeing that somebody else sees that but then i get frustrated when i get on the internet that's it. I get frustrated when I get on the internet. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I get frustrated when I see people that they're like, well, this just isn't believable. Like, he gets too cartoonish at some times and he's not threatening enough at other times. And it's it it's the same with Midsummer. That's what immediately came to my mind when I was mm-hmm, okay. when I was reading comments because before the director's cut, everybody was like, mm. Like, Christian and Danny were just, like, they were a toxic relationship. They just weren't good together. And if you try and tell them that, like, no, Christian's actually, like, fairly emotionally abusive to Danny, people are like, mm, 
no, they just, they don't mesh well. And then the director's cut comes out and people are like, he just added that stuff in there so that way we would feel justified at Christian being killed at the end. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) they made made him wait. Yeah, exactly. But that's how it is in real life. So like in real life, you're not going to see some dude like backhanding his woman in a bar. Like what you're going to see is a group of friends and a woman's enjoying herself. She gets a look from her partner and then all of a sudden she's quiet and on edge the rest of the night. That's what you need to look out for in a group is those people that are having those responses. So I really like that this movie really, really like puts that perspective there. It feels rushed at times for me, but it's it's 80 minutes. I mean, well, like you said, they it sounds like they had constraints they had to, yes yeah <laughs> that it you know and i i don't really hold it against them because overall i think that they they tell the story really well um and i it really resonates with me when she she sees him in the club she doesn't know that it's him she just thinks that she saw somebody that looked like him and she's having like a full-blown panic attack get it resonates 100 percent with me i like those little details are super super meaningful and I just really enjoy it. And then I also love like this like dirty little dive bar with this indie pop girl playing music with homie of the year, Julie. Yeah. I'm going to have a lot of wonderful things to say about Julie throughout this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, like it, it combines such a nice aesthetic and then it's got just enough like levity and silly moments in there that like. I want from a Blumhouse movie because I don't go into a Blumhouse movie expecting to get introspective and sad. No, no. And so it's got like, it takes this very, very heavy thing, treats it with respect and puts enough of those lighthearted moments in there in places that feel appropriate and it makes it overall an enjoyable experience to watch for what it is. Okay. So... We're starting off with an 8.25, way higher than I thought we were going to be at. Really excited to talk about it. Me too. And I do have issues with it. Um, oh, yeah. I'll probably That's explain fair. it more as we talk about it, it. It makes more sense to talk about those issues as we go through. And yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of our pre-discussion is just kind of our generalized thoughts on it usually. Yeah. So I think, I think this is going to be a good discussion. And if you are listening to this episode and you haven't watched the movie because you don't have Hulu, again, like we said last week, that's fair. We get it. We understand where that's coming from. Um, Go ahead and listen to it. And if you can find a way to watch it on Hulu, we always recommend it. Do if, trials, baby. Yeah, do a trial. You're going to light a lot of these Into the Dark movies are really good. Yeah, they. I mean, they really do put out some pretty good stuff. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, just for like stuff to put on at home on a streaming service, you know. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, cool. All right. All right. Let's do this. Let's do it. We start off listening to Codicast, which is a podcast about codependent relationships. Is this a real podcast? I don't think so. Didn't look it up. Hmm. I feel like codependent is a little bit too light to describe what's happening. I mean, I guess technically it would be codependent, but. There's a at this point, yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I think she's still kind of in recovery. I don't think she really oh has yeah process everything that's happened yet. Oh yeah, um, but I the point is she's uh, trying to figure out like she's trying to do the self help work and stuff. Yeah, and talking about enmeshment and how 
when you're in a certain type of relationship, you can kind of lose your identity as a way of trying to appease your partner. And then once that relationship becomes so toxic that it ends, you're left trying to discover your own identity. Mm -hmm. So heavy stuff, heavy stuff. And the person listening to this in their hoodie, drinking a 40 from the gas station, drinking a blunt and smoking a 40. Mm -hmm. As you do. As you do. It sees these posters of this blue-haired girl named Treasure on the wall and just starts fucking wailing on them. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. wow, she, uh, you know, she's having a hard time. And then you see her pull down the hood and she's got blue hair. Whoa. Whoa. Is this her? <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out pretty quickly uh, because we see this blue-haired girl, what is presumably sometime later, in a club playing some music, singing an upbeat pop song. Pretty fun. But this is cut in with, uh, you know, some online stuff. We see some billboard rankings, some lady named Treasure in the song called The Knife. And you're like, oh, this must be Treasure. That's what it said on the poster. She's got blue hair. The song sounds like it's talking about a knife. All right, we're here. We're on. We're in on this. We got it. That's kind of how we're feeling so far. And then we start seeing some... <laughs> Some message boards where they're like, have you seen this fakey McFakerson that calls herself Valentine that's basically ripping off Treasure's whole deal? And she's like, um, actually, no, these are my songs and Treasure's copying me. And then the guy's like, stop lying, fakey McFakerson. This guy has an eye patch. I'm just going to say it. I think more people need eye patches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks cool. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Bring bad about back it. eye patches on villains. It adds a little bit to it. It's kind of cartoonish, but it looks it looks nice. Yes. Uh, also, so when these songs were originally recorded and released uh, by her, was this under her own name, Valentine, or mm. is it under Treasure? So when Valentine was with Royal. And we're getting into the time. We're jumping ahead. So if you haven't figured it out already, Treasure has copied Valentine. Um, Treasure's manager is Valentine's old manager. They both also have romantic. Well, so Valentine was also dating him. Isn't anymore. She broke up with him. He was able to keep the rights to her songs because she was a new recording artist and he convinced her to register all the songs in his name. See, I didn't so, think that that's what I, the way, uh, maybe we should talk about this a little bit later yeah. on. Let's just, we'll, we'll pocket that. Yeah. We'll keep on with what's going on currently. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she's playing these songs and there's some groupies out in the crowd that are anti-groupies. Yeah. And they have eye patches we, and they're not happy. Only one of them has an eye patch. We see <laughs> in the message board called the Treasury, which is stupid and I love it. Yeah, it's, it's I, a good one. It's I a like good it. one. Yeah, I like it when a pop star's following comes up with a catchy name. Mm-hmm. Um, or like any group of anything. Like just where the fans are called names. a certain time. Yeah, I like I like catchy names. Um, believer, that's a stupid name. I don't like that. that Sorry sucks. if you ever self-identified as a believer. You were you were not you didn't pick a pop star with a good last name to this riff off of. Makes it sound like you're trying to say believe and you don't know how to pronounce V's. Yeah. I'm a believer. 
like Beyonce the Beehive. That makes sense. That's, that's Beyonce cute. the Beehive. Yeah, the Beehive. That's what Beyonce's Is it, fans are called. No, yeah. that's stupid. No, I think it's cute. The Beehive. Yeah. No. I think that's cute. No. Um, what are some other ones? Oh, like Lady Gaga's. They're monsters because she's got an album monster or the song. Maybe both. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, and it makes sense. Like it goes with her thing. Does it? Yeah. Is her thing a monster? Yes. Is that just her? Yep, she's a monster. Her vibe. She's a whole monster. She's actually Godzilla. Whoa. Lady Gaga <laughs> is a kaiju confirmed. Well, I can't wait to watch the next Godzilla movie because she has been acting here lately. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, but yes, they have a, they have a, they have a nice name. They also, I was gonna say, it also sounds like they were major nerds in high school, but they run like a pop star online fan board. Of course, they were nerds. Yeah. That's not something. No offense, but it's not something cool people do. No. And we're saying that as horror podcasters, we're not cool. No, we're not. We'll be the first <laughs> to tell you we are not cool people. Sorry, I'm drinking through this novelty straw, and it takes like 500 seconds to get a drink. So every time I try to take a sip in between sentences, it throws off my pacing. <laughs> You're okay. You're only apologizing <laughs> to me right now because I'm going to edit those out. Oh, I think you need to leave it in. The people need to know. Okay. <laughs> you okay. can edit out all the long pauses, and then people will be like, what's she apologizing for? She must be drinking really fast. <laughs> Um, so we see on the message board that somebody has said, uh, treasury, I need your help. And they're like, we'll do whatever you want. And then we see these three, three jerks out in the crowd at Valentine's show and they're heckling her just they're straight up. Heck yeah. <laughs> it's the guy with the eye, the eye patch that's hissing. <laughs> He's just pure evil. <laughs> Um, the other band that played before Valentine come up and they're like, hey, could you not? Like, that's not cool. You didn't heckle during our show. And they're like, she's ripping off treasure. And they're like, oh, shit, you manage treasure. Like, maybe you can represent us. We're looking for new representation. And they're like, um, actually, we're a fan fan club. And then they're like, oh, well, you're not that cool after all. Then bye. <laughs> this couple, like, um... They don't serve a ton of purpose no. in it, except they like they have some nice comic relief moments. They have moments. no purpose in it. This is one of my issues with the movie that these characters aren't necessary to the story whatsoever. They do absolutely nothing. I think they kind of help with that running theme of like the self help psycho babble that comes along because we see so like Valentine's got the Coda cast that she listens to and she has like those mantras that she repeats to herself um treasure like repeats a lot like prompts royal with a lot of stuff throughout the movie like only you control your actions and then this couple like they have their whole relationship dynamic where she was like i gave you that book about the love languages and he's like fuck you <laughs> it's their whole purpose is um so they have a fight here in front of the fan group essentially because uh they the girlfriend, uh, I don't even know if we get their names. Do Nick we? and Rosa. Nick and Rosa, okay. 
Uh, so Rosa apparently is into celebrating Valentine's Day, and Nick didn't think that she was actually into it. He thought she was being ironic, so he did not do anything, and she storms off. Listen, the smart move on his part would have been to be ironic back, if that's what he thought was happening. She was like, I got you a heart-shaped box of chocolates and a rose. Like, he should have gotten her, like, a stupid little teddy bear. It's a win-win, because she either thinks you're having the ironic joke with her or she thinks you got her a genuine present. Yeah, I mean, really, if somebody's going to do that for you in the first place, return the favor. Yeah. It's just, just common courtesy, especially in a relationship. Yes. Uh, so this is where they're, they've got, like, their last song that they're playing. This is your jam right here. Yes. That's I know Jesse's jam. <laughs> yeah, so they're playing their last song. It's the knife and she's like by the way i did write this and she wrote it about five years ago so we're establishing that timeline and as they're playing we see this smarmy guy real smudge and arrogant so walking up to the bar shoulders all the way back and then he very seductively orders a vodka rocks from the bartender oh my god yeah he's basically he, oh my god yeah. yeah, like I thought at one point they were gonna fuck, like just yeah, so like Royal right could there. release some tension. Like they had, they had the strongest chemistry of anybody in this movie. They honestly do. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, this guy's hardcore menarding. He is basically not even buttoning up any part of his shirts. Multiple, <laughs> double menard right there. Uh, but yeah, he slips him. He's trying to bribe him. To close down the bar so he could have a private conversation with the band that's playing. He ends up bribing him $1,000 after the 100 that yeah. first fell. So. Yeah, he was like, you know, if I could just have an hour after their last song is finished just to catch up with an old friend. And at first when it's just 100 Eddie holds true to his morals. And he's like, no, nah, man, I can't do that. And he gives him 1000 And he's like, fuck it. Which I don't blame him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even if you fought him for it, he gets karma in a big way later. Yeah, yeah, true. So I get it though. Like you work service industry, you're getting you're you're not gonna get a thousand dollars in tips in one night that easily. No, so yeah, no, he, I get where he's coming from. He at least had the decency to look conflicted about it. Yeah, yeah. So. Royal starts walking across. This is where Valentine sees him from the stage, thinks she recognizes him. After they finish up their set and go back to their dressing room, she tells Julie, and Julie had already, like, clocked that something weird was happening, and she's like, you know, doing the good friend thing. She's like, listen, dude, half the guys in L.A. have that haircut. It's fine. It's not him. It'll be okay. And then she's like, oh, my phone's missing. I'm going to go see if it's out there. Can I mention one thing about Julie and the performance that they were doing? Yes. Her. Julie is her best friend and her guitarist, by yeah, the way. Yeah, so she's a guitarist. Um, Valentine is singing and she's also on keyboards. There's no guitar in any of the songs that they play. And she's up there strumming away and none of that shit is a guitar at all. It's all electronic, like, <laughs> coming from a computer. I feel like she's just, <laughs> she's only there as emotional support, basically. She doesn't do anything unless they, like, I mean, obviously they use instruments in, you know, I guess the 
creative process of coming up with songs, but that song was not no guitar. There's a whole addicted to love type oh. thing. Also, um, I don't know if this is accurate because it's a boring image, but I was doing research for the cover art mm-hmm. uh, for you know this episode's cover, and uh, I think on her guitar she has a sticker of um, Angela. Yeah, because it's like I, it's a girl and she's got her mouth open wide, and I'm like that. That looks like Angela. We're to me. gonna have to pull it up and like freeze frame it. No, we're gonna have to like pull it up on the TV okay. and and pause it so we can see. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that would be the easiest way. But yeah, I could have sworn it looked like Angela. So that would be that would awesome. Be cool. yeah. yeah, extra points for her. Yeah. So while they're she's saying she's about to go looking for her phone, they hear a laugh, and it's apparently very noticeably Royal's laugh. Because he sounds like a smudge kind of guy. So they run out there. And he's out there. I wrote treasury creeps being creeps. Julia bro. So. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Basically like the treasury people are just like continuing to heckle Valentine. Even though there's nobody else in the club at this point. It's just sad. It is. Yeah. These are the people that take fandom a little bit too seriously i think yeah they take it too seriously and also it's just like they're just high school mean girls but like it's it, the older you get the worse it gets to behave like that yeah it's just not a good look like you're not serving any kind of a purpose especially I mean, given what treasure's whole shtick is meant to be in terms of her public persona like rainbows and you're my friend and yeah blah, blah, blah. man it doesn't matter how cool or how innocent a fan or like a thing can be it's fan base can be extremely toxic no matter what yeah so. yeah 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 um but julia's like basically calling out royal for being there and she's like hey uh you got a restraining order why the fuck are you even here and like she's just like really jumping in to defend val without like a second thought love it she's great Royal decides that he wants to tell everybody the story of how they met and he gets like really graphic and basically it's an attempt to make Valentine feel embarrassed and vulnerable in this moment. It's a manipulation tactic. Mm-hmm. And Julie and Val try to leave, but uh, treasure appears through the door they're trying to walk through. And it's very creepy. It's very well cast, both these actresses, because they look very similar. They do, yeah. And they have the exact same hair. Yeah, that blue hair, man. <laughs> that blue hair that I am also currently sporting Jessie's right now. Jessie's rocking it, man. She uh... looks nice with this hair. I'm trying to convince her to do this hair permanently. I do not have this long natural hair, and I doubt you're going to pay for the extensions. i like your hair normal too but i'm just saying like it's a nice look on you yeah my normal neon orange hair yeah i mean that's what i'm saying like you're already a neon haired girl so uh the other door has been blocked which we see because uh nick and rosa are still out back apparently they have a tradition of a post-show car fuck even though they just broke up well they decided as a band they're allowed to make the rules for how they celebrate their post-show it's weird. And you know what? This the entire time I was wondering where the fuck have I seen this girl? Because I looked at a lot of the cast and I'm like, I don't know most of these people, but her face stood out to me a lot. And then I found out that she is one of the main characters in one of the newest Gears of War games. Oh, yeah, okay. which is, it was kind of made it weird. 
for me. <laughs> <laughs> Her character in that, uh, spoilers for people who have not, who give a fuck about Gears of War 4 already. That was years ago. She's like an insect queen human hybrid. Your voice just kept going up and up. I confused pitch. myself a little bit as I was talking about that. It gets weird. That's why I'm kind of conflicted. I'm like, this is weird. I don't know how I feel about this person, but okay, whatever. And she's fucking out in the car right now. Yep. And because uh, Royal like helps them carry their equipment, he was charming them, making them feel like they owed him one, whatnot, and uh, they didn't notice him blocking that door too, so nobody could get out from that door. Royal tells valentine that he wants her to write treasures second album so the stuff they're working on isn't coming across so well and this is where we learn that treasures first album was all valentine's songs and of course valentine is like fuck this um and he's like trying to have this conversation quietly so treasure doesn't hear this is where the songs came from because uh, he is manipulating and abusing the fuck out of her too. But what does he think? What does she think at this point? Does Treasure think that he came up with the songs and they're, I think they, so. or they came up with them together? Like he tricked her. I think something like that. I think okay. Because she she seems genuinely surprised when she learns that the songs were actually written by her. Because up until this point, she's believed that you know she's just some random girl out there copying her thing. So it didn't blow up until she left the whole picture. Yeah. It blew up after the fact. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a flashback to after a show uh, in Valentine's early days when she was still with Royal and she's freaking out because she doesn't know where her phone is. She's talking about like she specifically like got a case that would be really hard to miss it if she sets her phone down somewhere relatable content i feel seen (laughs) (laughs) as somebody who needs a giant phone with a gaudy ass phone case to both not break my phone and not lose my phone this is very validating (laughs) i'm glad you got that (laughs) (laughs) and she is freaking out about it and he's like it's okay we'll just get you another phone she's like we can't afford that right now i need that oh my god she's really stressed about it and he's like it's okay it's okay you had a great time and like he talks her down and they smooch and then he's like when she's calm and like listening to him he's like here i got something for you and he pulls her phone out of his fucking pocket and she's like dude what the fuck and he like completely flips the script on her and it's like uh well you were paying too much attention to that phone and drinking too much and flirting with guys and she was like i was thanking people for coming to our show like i was just having a good time talking to people and he was like you're just gonna go fuck those other guys and they haven't done anything for you and i've been doing all this work for you and blah blah blah. like a very classic manipulation Mm -hmm. and abuse tactics it's very fucked up very hard to see and uh maggie actually said that this is her this was her favorite scene oh really yeah in terms of like the emotional impact and really just showing what what a real jerk this guy is. <laughs> yeah, man. He, uh, Do you regret showing jerk. me the real jerk no, bit I, now? No, <laughs> I love it. I love that this is becoming a part of this. He's a royal jerk. He's a royal jerk. He sucks, yeah. he's Yeah, it's... Um, I like... They, I feel like they handled this well because they've introduced him. Obviously, he's got a shady past and then you're, like, you're getting the real picture... Because he's giving things in his own perspective, and he's trying to obviously 
put a more favorable spin on everything, you know, for himself and, you know, less favorable for her and like actually being able to see what really went down, like as this stuff is happening. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of nice because it's giving you the full picture. Yeah. And then especially because like after he does this, like he chokes her and he's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm such a worthless piece of shit. I'm terrible. You must hate me. And I I don't know why I always do this, which is another manipulation tactic. Just just leaving it just chokes her is like it almost feels like an understatement. Like he almost like makes her go unconscious. Yeah. It's almost like attempted murder. Oh, yeah. It's fucked up. Oh, yeah. Back in the present. Julie calls him a walking true crime show waiting to happen, yes. which is amazing in both the level of burn and the accuracy to I it. Know. <laughs> it's the perfect burn. <laughs> this is why Julie is the best character of the movie. Yes. True bro. Or not bro. Yeah. I wrote I wrote bro. I feel like Julie would appreciate like a gender neutral bro. Okay. Yeah. I feel like she true. would. Yeah, it, it works. It works. Yeah. Um, I know not everybody feels bro is gender neutral, and I'm sorry to the people that feel that way. I'm a gender neutral bro, bro type bro person. Yeah, bro. I say bro to everything. Like I'm pretty sure I called this straw bro earlier because it got caught on the mic. You should have called like, it bitch because it clearly says bitch. <laughs> that is gendered. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm just calling it what it is right here. That's a bitch straw. It's. A, Again, it's a novelty straw. And I'm not it's calling an, it's her the a word bitch. For bitch. Yeah, it's yeah. a rainbow straw that says bitch, and I love it, and it's my favorite. It's so. a cool straw. <laughs> I picked it out. <laughs> it's ironic. <laughs> so Julie says that uh, you know he had been hitting Valentine, destroyed her shit, and Treasure's very very confused to hear about all of this. Um, he says that. She should never contact again, contact them again, play that music ever again, have the blue hair ever again. Um, He threatens her with a knife. And then this is where Treasure starts talking about like choices. Like he's like, you're not giving me a choice in this. And she's like, Rael, you always have choices. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She, um. I mean, clearly she doesn't really have much of a voice in the relationship, but... No, she's going through the same shit that Valentine went through. Yeah, but you get little glimpses, I feel like, that right there. Yeah. like, every now and then she's starting... She notices some of the fucked up Mm -hmm. behavior, so it's, yeah, it's nice to see, like, the little glimpse of personality. Yeah, so he asked her to put on music, and, um... This is the scene that always comes up in my brain whenever I think of this movie. And it's one of the Scott Pilgrim parts that I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, So he asks her to put on something funky because he's not feeling too good. And she goes and puts it on a song called uh, Disco for Beginners, which is a pretty decent little jam. I couldn't find it online because I tried to look for it today. And I was a little bit sad I couldn't find it. But he starts dancing, and all of a sudden, like, these weird little sparkles just start coming up across the screen, and it's it's a stylized little moment. It's uh, it's interesting, but I don't know. It just kind of feels, little moments like this kind of feel out of place. We had a little moment like that, too, when he was sending the treasury outside, because, like, I need you guys to do me a favor, and the eye patch could sit anything for you, Daddy Royal, and then he had, like, little devil horns oh, pop yes, up over his head. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they had, they had the cool shots whenever the uh, the treasury were first introduced because it had like all those like split frames kind of just sliding into the shot over and over again. 
but then it kind of it's kind of like gradually become more of like cartoony in a way mm. it's weird but yeah it, but yeah he does a, he does a like awkward little dance to this and uh i feel like comfortable i feel like in his mind and i wish i knew what the direction was for this scene but i feel like I get the vibe he's trying to badly do a Reservoir Dogs. Oh, you think so? <laughs> yeah, like, because he's got the knife and, yeah. like, it's this whole sociopathic moment, you know? I can see that. Yeah. yeah I can see it. I mean, that's a bad attempt if that's what he's trying to do. Well, yeah, but I think, like, that's kind of the whole thing is that he thinks he's the shit and he's, like, super awesome, but... They're slowly stripping away those layers with all of this, and he's getting that dose of like. My mind is fucked up because <laughs> for some reason I was trying to imagine the Reservoir Dog scene, and I'm just imagining him doing that, but he's like moonwalking. <laughs> I'm like, that's not right. He does not moonwalk during that movie. <laughs> I mean, that would really take you out, but I kind of want it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, we get a flashback to uh, Valentine and Royal looking through uh, used vinyl. I like this scene. I like it, and I think this is really important, too, because nothing scary happens in this scene. Yes, this it's, is something that I like. You get little glimpses of like their actual relationship where they had actual good points. Yeah, I think that's one of those things that a lot of people, if they've never experienced that abuse, you don't understand that it's not... Like, you're constantly in fear, but when those good moments are there, they feel so precious and helpful, like, amazing. And, yeah. Like, this is such a scene that, like, if you saw this scene out of context, if somebody just showed it to you, you'd be like... Oh, cute. What a fun little indie flick. She's clearly the manic pixie dream girl, and we're going to go on a wild adventure, and a Wes Anderson soundtrack will play, and it'll be great. Uh <laughs> I liked her attitude towards vinyls, because she's like, I like to dumpster dive, so please, like, yes. don't, I mean, just be aware what we're about to get into, which, that's how you and I are with movies. Yes, I, that's exactly what I was thinking about, like, where she was like, Every time I do this, my taste gets weirder and weirder. And I was like, just like us watching movies. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. I'll, and, you know, I never really thought about that as being a thing with finals. But that kind of made me want to be like, I kind of want to dig into like the underbelly of some of the music. I, okay, here's the thing. I love vinyls as like a collection type thing. Mm -hmm. But they take up so much space oh, yeah. that I'm much more like, I'm not talking about collecting. I'm talking about just yeah. experiencing, like, looking it up online mm, or something. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, like, find, like, album art that looks really cool and then, like, yeah, look exactly. it up later. Yeah, like, okay. oh, uh, Disco for Beginners. Because that's yes. the disc that they, I mean, this is where he got the And it comes song. with instructions. Yeah, which is cool. Which so. made me think of that Hey Arnold episode where they go to the dance and they, like, learn the, the steps from the book. Oh, yeah. That's Holy the one with shit. the, hey, hey Maria, Maria, come, come over, over here. here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's one of the top ten Hey Arnold episodes right there. That's a good one. That, we say that to each other all the time. We do. I was going to say that. It's like, that's a quote going back to the beginning of our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, 
just kind of showing how he like took the pieces of his relationship with Valentine and uh, copy paste into his relationship with Treasure. Yeah. Uh, Valentine says that she hates him. Which you're like, hell yeah, Valentine, get it out there. Except uh, then him and Julie starts fighting and he stabs Julie. Yeah. So it gets real heavy real fast because she just fucking bleeds out on the floor. Um, it's, yeah, it's a. I kind of forgot that for a second there when we were watching this, I was like, does this movie even have a body count? I can't remember if anybody actually dies. And then the whole point of the scene is like, I want to watch this person actually die because I've never experienced this before. Yeah. So he forces Treasure to just like actually stand there and like, well, it's too late to call an ambulance. So like, let's actually try and experience this. So he was kind of in shock for a second. Valentine runs off to see if she can find somebody somewhere in this building to help her out. And Treasure's like, oh my God, I'll call an ambulance. And Royal is like, yeah. Like he's a little bit shell shocked. And he's like, it was an accident, which you don't like, you don't accidentally set. Like, so, okay. So, say I'm in the kitchen and I'm cutting an onion, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, oh um, like, <laughs> I'm gonna be stabbed. <laughs> yes, you are gonna be the victim of this, right? And, like, you know, I'm cutting the onion at the counter and I'm looking out the window and I'm like, oh man, there's the bluebird. And you come running in and you're like, I wanna see the bluebird, except you slip. Because how reckless do I have to be? How badly do I have to want to see this fucking bluebird where I'm running into the kitchen at full speed and I lose all control? You don't lose control just because you lost control. You slip on a puddle of water because Talia like half finished chewing an I ice cube. Have to be going so fast. And then like as you're falling, you're like oh no and i turn around to try and catch you real quick but the knife is still in my hand but i forget about it because i'm so worried that you're gonna hit your head on the counter and then like the knife goes into your heart and i'm like oh god it was an accident it doesn't have to be the heart <laughs> why the heart because i don't want you to bleed out slowly from a gut wound that's gonna be so much more worse <laughs> i mean just a few pumps and then all the blood's out if it's in the heart <laughs> I don't like that we fully envision a death, like a very grim reality or a possible reality where I die from you stabbing me in the heart because I get excited from watching a bird out the window. That's that's so disrespectful to me. <laughs> anyway, that's how you accidentally stab somebody. Uh, that, that's the only reasonable way you can actually that's accidentally The only do that. way you can accidentally stab somebody. <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as soon as like he's fully, like he way too quickly comes to term with the fact that he killed a human being. And then he's like, no treasure, don't call an ambulance. And she's like, but she's going to die. And he's like, well, yeah, but like it was self-defense. And she goes, what? No, you just said it was an accident. He goes, um, no, three people out there will say it was self-defense. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the point where he says, like, I, I came up with the story right as soon as I stabbed her. Yep. Yeah, so he already just pre-planned this whole thing. And then he, like, forces her to watch Julie take her last breaths, and then he has this full, like, psychotic break of, oh, man, wish we'd recorded it, because that would have been really cool to sample. What the fuck? Yeah, that's some fucked up shit. R.I.P. To, to Julie. 
the truest bro yeah it's sad that her character had to go so soon but i guess it's necessary for well it's not even really necessary for valentine she already hates this guy um it's gonna like it'll come up in a minute oh yeah i guess Um, yeah but yeah so we do cut to nick and rosa because we know they're out front car fucking and we're like surely they hear something and they kind of hear nick does yeah he's like do you hear that and then i was just like no we don't hear anything and because he's horny so he's just like yeah you're probably right i think yeah, it's both of them just like being like no they would rather have sex and deal with real shit right now which whatever i get it yeah i mean fair yeah <laughs> uh so treasure gets like really freaked out about the fact that they just had like murder like she's like what are like what happens to glastonbury we're supposed to be there in two days and he's like what do you mean what happens and she's like well like dead and <laughs> and he's like it's okay like you don't have to worry about it it's self-defense we already talked about this and like she's like i don't want to lie and he's like it'll be okay and like he hugs her but it's like a menacing hug like you hear right, bones like crunching yeah. yeah it's not good there's a couple of moments before here too like whenever she first showed up he's like i thought i told you to stay in the car and then he like pretends to hug her in front of the treasury and, like, and he's like yeah. grabbing her shoulder like yeah. digging fingers in or like he keeps telling her to drink water saying she looks really tired yeah he just doesn't want her to be like here for this I, he definitely talks to her like this other times too though oh yeah definitely i mean we see behind the scenes yeah. like we're well, not behind the scenes but like you know things in other like the past like instances where he treats her like shit yeah like we even um this right here he's like you need like we'll take care of this and then you need to get some rest because you look really tired right now yeah um so eddie the bartender from earlier walks in presumably the hour's up and he sees you know all the murder uh and it was like oh shit and he tries to like run to the walk-in of course royal sees him i guess you could say that eddie royally fucked up (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he tells treasure to find valentine while he goes take care of this and eddie is like in the walk-in trying to call 911 and royal follows him and is like seductively threatening him i think he really like he would have fucked him yes he would have in in another world where he wasn't busy emotionally and physically abusing pop stars him and eddie yeah like yes exactly like he's like have you ever considered dyeing your hair blue (laughs) yeah it has to be blue um we see that Val has snuck up behind Treasure while she's like with looking th- with a cinder block. And so like Treasure's like looking through her little um like she's looking through her phone. I was gonna say her iPod, and I was like, this movie's in 2020. Mm-hmm. She was not holding an iPod. Where did that come from in know. my brain? Yeah, that was a relic of the past right there. <laughs> I, like, I sure I never even had an iPod. I don't you know. No, I don't know where this came from in my head. <laughs> yeah, you you've been like anti-Apple ever since I've met you. I it's not my fault. It's how I was raised. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so 
We see Treasure as, like, having her own, like, little flashback moment, except she is, like, having the good parts of the flashback right now, which is the successful music career that Valentine was hoping to have. So she's, like, seeing um, her music video of Treasure Me. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. that song also gets stuck in my head a lot, too. So You said that. You just added that to your yeah. playlist. I had all the Valentine songs saved, and then I was like, I actually kind of really like this treasure one, too. It's yeah. all dressage, so it makes sense. Did you have the old, like, the one that we hear at the end saved before, mm. too? The, yeah, Back in Focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had that one already? Yeah. Okay. You just don't play that one as much as The Knife. I do. I think that um, I can tell the difference more easily than you because I listen to them a lot. I they start know, off very similarly. I'll know more now. Yeah. Yeah. The knife. I. I mean, I know the knife. I've yeah. Well, that, that one so plays like now. ten times in this movie. So. Oh yeah, not all, it's played hundreds of times since <laughs> we've watched this together. Val sees Treasure's like dissociative moment, and then she kind of like. Like, Treasure turns around, and she just, like, drops this in her block because she kind of, like, has this moment. She's like, shit, this woman's going through the same thing I went through. Yeah, I thought that they had, like, a connection here for a second. Yeah, and she she tries to convince her to come with her, and she's like, no, I've got what I want. Like, basically, poor Treasure is, like, has bought into the lie that this is what she has to do to get what she wants in life. Um, it, like they have the same story, but they chose two wildly different methods of coping with their abuse. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's still in the midst. Of and, yeah. And exactly. She hasn't yeah. broken free. So she's at like a different point in it. Yeah. And I mean, whereas I recognizes yeah. all of the signs of it. So she's yeah. trying to like coach her through it, like point out all of the things. Yeah. That she's are like, going does he on. take food away from you? Does he hurt you during sex? And because you agreed to it one time, you can't not agree to it anymore. He does can't he get it up if he's, if he sees that you're enjoying it? Yep. Um, like she, like she lists off like a ton of things. You can see it and all resonate with her. Yes, it all resonates with her. And I think it's important to note because we talked about this where Treasure is still in the relationship with Royal. Valentine is the one that actually broke up with him. Yeah. So that took a lot of strength for her. And it's really, 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 really hard for people that are in an abusive situation to be able to get out because a lot of times abusers will socially and financially isolate them as well. Was um was the moment that that happened the phone one? I can't remember because it's also like in the street. Yeah, we. I don't think I it don't ever think like, it's the same. It. I don't think it's the same. Like we just see, uh, her say it's over, and oh, he's wait. like, "Nobody will love you like I love you." Yeah, because I remember at the end of the uh, the scene where he does the phone thing. And chokes her after he's apologizing. She like fully like forgives him. She's like, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's okay. We'll work through it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Something else we didn't talk about during the phone scene um, that we need to talk about is where she's that jacket she's wearing. This oh, like yeah. rainbow tinsel jacket. And I was like, that jacket is amazing. And then I was like, wait, I've had this thought before. The Into the Dark movie before this one is the New Year's uh, movie called midnight kiss holy hell it sucks <laughs> i don't hate Just, it as much as travis does it's terrible man it sucks um like it's generic 
It's super like, generic. It's generic, but gay, and I guess they thought that was going to be the nice twist. I know, that's... It, I, like... <laughs> I don't... Like, just because it's gay doesn't, like... Yeah. I mean, like, don't hinge on that. Like, actually make a good movie along with it. Yeah. But whatever, um, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, the like, gal pal in that movie wears that jacket, and I was like, I bet they just reused it from the wardrobe department. I mean, she she probably... You said she watched all the movies before, yeah. and maybe she's like, oh... Maybe. Um, eh, yeah, that's a pretty quick turnaround yeah, between those. Yeah, that's way too quick. Yeah. Never, mind. Never mind. But I bet they probably just like shared that, that probably, wardrobe yeah. piece. Yeah. yeah. I meant to bring that up. I didn't make a note of it because I was like, I'll remember it. And then I didn't remember it. Uh- <laughs> well, when you watch it, remember. Yes. Keep an eye out. Yes. Um. And we also have this whole thing like where Treasure, she, you know, she's doing the whole self-help stuff and the like, you make your choices, you're responsible, blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into this whole your fault thing, which comes up so often in such a not helpful way of like, well, if you're experiencing abuse, it's your fault for not leaving. Um, I don't know why I said that in Carmen's voice. Kermit would not say that to anybody. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to summon a Kermit voice here. Just do your Loomis. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that good? That was not good, was it? Uh, I got I got Kermit on lock. I just gotta warm him up. I've I talked to Talia in a Kermit voice to like undermine her um intimidation to the other dogs in the neighborhood. You've not been here for this, but um I, whenever she's barking out into like the window, I'm like, alright, Talia. <laughs> nobody will take you seriously if i talk to you like this <laughs> and it works she stops you kind of sound like um aaron's yoda voice oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right maybe i don't have <laughs> oh god okay um so this is where she talks about the fact that he had all of um valentine signed her songs in his name and she tries to tell treasure like hey the real reason he brought you here is to ask me to write the next album she's like what no that's not true so that okay we were talking about this moment earlier in the episode and that was kind of like okay so did he trick her into that or did he the way that she phrased it at one point right at this point i guess was like uh he decided to start doing that. So I don't think like they even had gotten that far in the process because they hadn't even really done anything like so professionally. The f- so she had her first album out, which was all of Valentine's songs. Treasure's first album was out, was successful. And all of the songs, or most of them, were written by Valentine. But Al- Val already had her album out. No, I don't think Valentine like had the full. So they they were in the process of making this. I think so. And they never did a full release. Yeah. Okay. So it's been five years since she met Royal and wrote the knife. So we know that's like the first song they worked on together because we see like a flashback montage later where she doesn't have blue hair yet, yeah. and they're working on it. Um, that's a nice scene too. Yes. So we see that. So we know. Five years ago is when she wrote the song. Five years ago must be when they started dating and started working on all of that. We know she hasn't performed in about two or three years. So they were probably working on recording, editing, producing, and everything uh, when she broke up with him. 
And then he copy pastes everything she did onto Treasure. That makes and sense. And Treasure got the success in the past two or three years. That was something that yes. I was kind of confused on. Even this time watching, I was like, did she already have this stuff out there? And then suddenly somebody like new showed up looking exactly like her and they all accepted that she was her. Yeah. So she and it wasn't until this show tonight that she started playing publicly again. That makes so sense. I think when she was online posting about it, he wasn't that worried about her because she just came off as like, oh, uh, look, yeah. at this crazy lady. Like thinks she's treasure. Yeah. yeah. But then he knew that like when she started playing publicly again and she started playing her own songs and the writing quality was obviously there like mm-hmm. cause the same voice too is what in they were the same saying. voice yeah. yeah they knew that like because he's been trying to write songs with treasure but she's not as good a songwriter as valentine yeah that's what we find out here because mm-hmm. he has killed the bartender mm-hmm. and she's freaking out because you know she her whole like, her whole thing like before was she didn't want that to happen and she's like okay well just don't let it happen <laughs> well she she's like she's like i want to leave and he was like what are you talking about i've killed for you yeah which is like holy fucking gaslighting batman like <laughs> i like the scene with her with the meltdown oh. <laughs> you murdered somebody <laughs> oh my god it's the fun and i'm sorry if that's really loud you can cut that if you no, need it's to okay. but it's, be fine. it's fucking hilarious and um in that interview like uh with maggie levin like she said the whole crew was like trying so hard not to crack up behind the camera because it's just so funny it's funny like whenever like he's like what do you mean or whatever like and then she just points like (laughs) oh it zooms in on her face too it's it's so it's so great yeah i love it um yeah, and then he starts calling her manipulative. Yeah. Well, he says her crying. He was trying to manipulate him. Like, fuck you. You know what? Fuck fucking Derek and fuck fucking Royal. Yeah, fuck That's what up. I'm going to say. Yeah. Let's see who we can fuck next week. <laughs> that didn't come out. No, it didn't. <laughs> um, so Val has like escaped up to the roof. Royal has realized that she is no longer in the club area and he starts um, trying to follow her. Before this, by the way. Hmm? Okay, well, also then he was like telling her that um, he was telling Treasure that the new material is not good. She found out that he confronted Valentine to work on the second album and then that's kind of where they had that discussion. But an even more important conversation for me is when Valentine tries to go out the front door and tries to convince the... Um, the treasury oh and she's like trying to knock on the door and they yeah. like she goes it's me <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good but also like it, from the outside before they know what's going on they're having a conversation and it's picks up with the girl saying you can't just tell someone you have a weak chin and then the guy is like i asked for it i have to live with it <laughs> It's such a real. We've had that conversation with our friends. We've told people like you have you have a weak chin, and I think he's asked for it. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is so real. Like that's probably the only moment that I like those guys, yeah. like because they immediately become the treasury creeps again. Because as soon as they realize that like it's not treasure, it's Valentine, they like push her back i feel like she could have pushed past them she could have yeah they're not strong people <laughs> okay she's got that like uh you know 
adrenaline. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so this is where she like runs down the hall, finds a way up to the roof. Royal has realized that she is missing, and he's like, "Well, if I was her, where would I go?" Follows her up to the roof. They're running. Um, he pushes her, throws her off the roof. She lands on a dumpster. It kind of breaks her fall, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Better than some, like pavement. She wakes up inside, and she asks what he wants. He's like, what do you mean? And she's like, you can kill me. She's like, I want you to kill me. I wish you would. Like, you killed my last ally. Talking about Julie. So now she's like complete, like, she's got nobody else on her side now. She's completely socially isolated. Um, this disgusts him. He's like, stop it. I don't like it. <laughs> and God, this scene kills me where she's like, there's no, she's like, I could go to a lifetime of therapy and it wouldn't repair a quarter of what you've broken me. God, that's fucking heart wrenching. Yeah. yeah, it's it's super heavy. And I feel like it uh I feel like that's something that actually like rings through to him too. Yeah, like well, cause this is like a turning point here. Yeah, it's not that I, he's becoming a good guy. It's that it's directly challenging his worldview of being the only good thing in her life. That's yeah. the line that he uses to keep her or treasure to stay. That's the manipulation tactic he uses, and he actually truly believes it in himself. Yeah, you can see. And like- to hear her say that he's ruined her life and that she hates him you know these are the things that have set him off before yeah it directly challenges what he has built up in his own head and i think it's so powerful for her to have this moment because not saying that there's no hope of ever coming back from abuse because there is there absolutely is you can have healthy happy wonderful life But that is always going to be a part of your story. And fuck the people who say, well, it made you stronger. Yeah. Nobody should have to be strong through that. Yeah. So, like, not hearing it. Lesser movies would have said, I'm stronger because of the fact that I've gotten away from you. Like, hearing her just lay it out raw in real like like what the fuck else do you want from me you clearly want me dead so just kill me and he is legitimately confused by this because he doesn't want her dead he wants her alive and worshiping him and obeying yeah. him i feel like at being this point, possessed by him he's like he's losing control yes and it's like frustrating him he actually starts to kind of he throws a temper tantrum yeah he's like stop being mean to me which is such like a childish thing to say like you're being mean like, I, it's just weird. He, like, fully reverts. Yeah, and then he, like, this is where he starts saying that he wants her back. Um, he's like, I, I I, need you. Like, let's get back together. Treasure's, like, right the fuck behind him. And she's like, ah! Um, <laughs> exactly. Verbatim. You're going to have such a hard time with me the rest of the week because I'm not going to be able to stop doing the treasure voice. Uh- <laughs> I've survived worse. <laughs> Uh, in this moment, Nick and Rosa walk in, and um, oh, these fucking characters, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, we forgot. 
okay, last time we saw them, we had them fucking, what do they do from here? And like, oh, uh, we wanted to use our drink tickets, please. Yeah. So that's they... what he says. <laughs> and um, it, bur- like, it breaks out into a whole fight because he like panics because other people are now in this whole environment. Dead bodies are there. What? You gotta admit, this is a pretty cool kill, though. It's not a bad kill. I don't. I didn't want him to die. I didn't want him to die either. But if he's gonna die, I love the irony of him dying by being garroted by his own guitar string. It's gr- nobody helps him. It's so easily. Rosa fucking books it. I know, right? And she's like the one that giving him shit about <laughs> all of this stuff. And you don't have to be like super attentive to realize, holy shit, this guy is like. He's got a guitar string. He's got it wrapped around his neck, and he's just tightening it, and it's digging into his neck. That's, I don't know, to me. I mean, even Valentine could have, I don't know, intervened. Nobody did anything. This death was pointless. They were all like, who is this guy? (laughs) Even his girlfriend, like, who is I'm out of here. Oh, sorry, wrong turn. Yeah, we, we broke up. It's fine, whatever. Um, even though they got back together mid-sex, I don't fucking fuck. This is they're one of my main issues with this movie. They're so unimportant. Um, this is where Treasure decides that she is going to attack Royal. She doesn't do it while while Nick's being killed. Wait till wait till he's dead. Exactly. Uh, yes. She takes the mic stand and she like like fucking bludgeons him, saying, "I'm breaking up with you." And then um, she's like, I'm going to go throw up. And she runs to the bathroom and Valentine has this nice, funny little line about like, so concerted of you to not puke in all of the blood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When she comes back out, she's got these sunglasses back on. We didn't talk about these sunglasses, but they're Valentine's sunglasses. I guess they got left behind after she left Royal. Presumably she lost a lot of her stuff and all of that. Yeah, probably. And... She's wearing the sunglasses, and uh, Val- her and Valentine have this moment where they, like, kind of hysterically laugh, cry a little bit, they embrace, they have this sisterly moment, and then Treasure's like, all right, cool, so now you can stop playing my music. And then Valentine's like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> and you know, she's... <laughs> I, I misremember this whole ending. Go ahead and talk okay. about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the ending, and then I'll let, I want to hear what you misremembered okay. it as. She's like, yeah, I'll see you if you keep if you keep doing this. I'm not going to change anything. Like, I still want to have my dreams coming true. It's not my fault that, you know, you, you left Royal and didn't get a chance to cash in. And because they're standing in a giant blood puddle. Well, Treasure's standing in the blood puddle. And Valentine's just a little bit outside of it. She, like, casually kicks a live wire into the puddle and it shocks treasure and melts the sunglasses part way and she uh she picks them up and then we see a show presumably this is later on <laughs> yeah and she's like doing her high-pitched treasure impression thanks for coming to my secret show it's important for everybody to be their authentic self and not a character and not a character <laughs> And then she plays back in focus, and that's the other one that I listen to a lot. Yeah, she makes like a pledge to be, you know, her real self. 
Yeah. So we get to see a whole music video for that. And then we see, like, during the credits, a music video for Treasure Me. And, like, intercut with, like, some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and a Puka cameo. Yes, Puka. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was so cool. Puka's a good one from the Into the Dark series, yes. by the way. There's two of them. Um, it was so good they made two. Yes. The movie's so nice, we watched it twice. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so that's that's the ending of the movie. It's uh not entirely hopeful because she's. It's not bad. Yeah, it's she not lost bad. Everybody. Oh no, I'm just saying it's a bleak, bleak ending. It is because she still lost all of her like support, and she still like has no identity because no, she's yeah. assumed the identity of somebody oh. that assumed her identity that was forced onto her. Kind of. <laughs> she she okay. She's doing a new song here. She's reclaimed her identity. And she did it in a smart way. She came out pretending to be a treasure. And then she's like, and I'm going to be me now. Like, yeah. I made a public statement like, this is who I am going forward. Fucking deal with it. Here's a new song. It slaps. And then that's that. So she won them over that fast. But I remember, in my note, like whenever they kill um, Royal and she like comes out with the sunglasses and they're like laughing at each other. And you think, oh, oh they're going to have like, a nice ending. I remembered it for some reason that they team up together and they become like a duo and they actually like, you know, they're both with the blue hair out there. That's not what happens. Um, also, I fully expected whenever she was going to like debut in the new song, I thought it was going to be some dark punk shit. Like she was like this whole experience changed her musically. And oh, so like... um idols me and you and ashley too in black mirror where like at the like the one with miley cyrus yeah um, how does that one end it remember. ends with her like free from her aunt or whatever and then she's covering nine inch nails in yes, a punk club that's what i was expecting yeah. something like that. maybe i like thought about that <laughs> like just i only thought of that because somebody referenced that episode in a review okay but yeah so um yeah this is nice to Okay, so I have two more quotes from that interview that I feel like are really important to our discussion here. Okay. Um, the first is talking about um, the abuse that's prevalent in this movie. I guess if there's something to walk away from this with, it's that even the smartest and most empowered and powerful person can be taken in by a monster. It's so easy to tumble into that. When it happens, it's not your fault, and the process of escaping that can be deeply painful. I would hope that there's a degree of catharsis that happens in this movie. I would love all of the women and persons in this world who are experiencing the cycle of abuse to know that they have the power within to step outside of it and to get free and learn how to love themselves. That's really powerful. That's a really yes. nice message to have. Yes. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I really appreciate the way she portrays this abusive relationship throughout the movie did a great job it's it. very centered on valentine's experience of it in, yeah, in mean, a very grounded way it hits all the points it makes you sympathetic it makes you understand like you know the reality of everything um then this is about the stylistic bit itself the film itself is wrapped in this very candy-colored, electric Instagram filter craziness. 
If you watch any film and have any kind of experience, they're all valid. Yay, that's kind of what our show's about. Um, If you watch it and you hate it, that's okay too. I think My Valentine is one of those movies you either get how deliberate the style is or you go, what the fuck is that? Either way, I think both experiences are totally valid. I think I had both experiences. <laughs> the first experience, I was like, oh, what the fuck is that? And the second experience, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, it, It's nice. It's fine. Even though, I mean, I still like some of the stylistic choices still to me are kind of weird. I The Instagram filtered comment makes a lot of sense with that, though. Kind yeah. Of puts a lot of that into perspective for me, at least. Um, Now that we've talked about it, how are you feeling? I still feel good about this movie. Um. I don't think I'm going to change my score. I think I'm going to keep it at an eight and a half. Uh, I liked it a lot more. I think I'm I'm riding high on it because I was kind of meh on it before. And then, no, no, it just sucked me in last night. I liked it a lot. Um, do definitely have issues with those characters, though. Um, they're just, they're not necessary. You, you made a mention about how, like, she had to be, like, limited with certain, like, I it had to meet a time frame, but they feel like they're padding the time with that. Yeah, they definitely feel like they're padding. Well, this movie's only 80 minutes, even with them in there. Well, that's probably what it is. I can't imagine yeah. why else that is part of it. They're just nothing characters. Add absolutely nothing to it. And it's like one of my least favorite deaths because I'm like, why kill this man? Like, it's just so pointless. Like, at least... Because he didn't get a Valentine's Day gift. <sighs> I guess. I always Julie. Did, did we like, even mention it? this show was happening on Valentine's Day, by the way? Oh, this this yeah. club show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a Valentine's Day themed movie, obviously. <laughs> the name of the title. And her name is Valentine, whatever. You know. I think I'm going to bump mine up to an eight and a half with you. Okay, cool. Because talking about it, I think it deserves that extra half point. Definitely, um, it's a good movie. Yes, I think like definitely breaking it down on its own and analyzing it, like it doesn't feel like me just like projecting in a way that's just projection. Like it feels like an appreciation for what the film is doing. So yeah, it does a good job. Like really, I mean, it just does a good job portraying that. I think, especially for people, for people who have experienced it, and I feel like it does the same for people who haven't experienced it, it kind of gives them like some insider knowledge of like how things like that actually operate um so what i'm i'm guessing getting ready getting rid of nick and rosa would be yeah. what you what Big change time. you would make yeah i mean okay. if you're gonna have them give them more of a role yeah that's kind of where i wish it would go like instead of getting rid of them like give them a little bit more of something to do with it yeah i mean it's just like it almost felt like they were afterthoughts to me it's kind of like um Glenn Howerton and The Strangers. Like he's yeah. got such a nothing role, but at the same time, it's the catalyst for getting them out of the closet, which is like it where works, they would yeah. have been able to hole up for the rest of the exactly. night. Exactly. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, they just serve no purpose in this. Okay, so Talia was um mostly chill during the first half of this movie. Like she's with us, whatever. Uh, we had to pause halfway through because it was their dinner time, and they all get obnoxious if we don't feed them on time. Afterwards, Talia would not stop fucking with the pillows and blankets on the couch. She couldn't sit she down. She could not sit still. She was running around. She wanted to play. She was hype as fuck for the ending of this movie. Yeah, she got up over at Jesse. She kicked me off the couch. I had to go and sit <laughs> in a different chair. And then she went over to Jesse's side of the couch, and it almost seemed like she was trying to kick you off, too. She was just yeah. taking the blankets and the pillows and just shoving them on you. Yeah. And then she was getting, like, 
She's like, you know what? Fuck fucking royal. Yeah, she's like, fuck fucking royal. Yeah, Talia is also, um, she's with the message of this movie. So I think Talia also gives it an eight and a half. I agree. I think she's exactly at that energy. Um, Zoe did not watch this movie. She did. She did not. Um, she watched the very, very end, but I, like, in my head, she has to watch 50% or more to count as having watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so. I agree with that. I went on a fucking journey with the internet reviews because when I pulled up IMDb, I was aghast. Did you happen to see what the... Yeah, I did, yeah. Four and a half on IMDb for Yeah, that this. was very shocking. Yeah, so I, like, I went on a journey reading some of these reviews. Um... And I actually, I had a couple that I, like, don't necessarily want to spend a ton of time talking, but I also know we only have, like, two listener reviews to go over, so we've got... Do you want to go ahead and do the listener review first, then, and then we'll talk about these, because I've got several of these from IMTV that I have a lot of thoughts on. All right, we're doing it reverse this time. (laughs) Okay. All right, this time we have one review on Instagram from Michael Lee Howard. Hello! He says, I liked it. I would give it a seven and a half. All right, good rating. Yeah, I mean that is good. Yeah, that's a, that's better than the average and close to what we rated it. So, let's yeah. shout him out extra, by the way, because he also said he he's the first listener to give us a post listen bump in a review, like a change in a review. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, I like maybe other people have felt that same way. Maybe we have swayed you to liking a movie more than you previously did or disliking a movie more than you previously did. Um, but he is the first one to ever actually tell us that we uh, we convinced him. Otherwise, we've yeah. we've brought him into the uh, the team malignant forever. Yes. Um, if you also if we've had any influence, let us know worse or better. I don't know. I still want to know. But he said he originally had it at a three, but after listening, he's like, I'm going to bump it to an eight and a half. Holy shit. That's a big jump. Big jump, man. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Team Malignant. Hell yeah. We're a tight-knit group. Yes. Yes. Okay. So like I said, I went through <laughs> I went through a journey. Um, this one, these are all um, user reviews on IMDb. I looked at a couple of critic reviews and I just, I didn't know where you were going to land with it. Yeah. And it was hard to find. I wanted to find a review that had like good and bad stuff in it so we could kind of pick it over a little bit more together That's cool, this yeah. time. Um, but so I didn't use any critic reviews. So I found some. Found some listener reviews. This one, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's got... (laughs) I'll let you read it on your own later. It is such a religiously fixated comment. And it's... (laughs) I like making this movie into a whole allegory of like biblical stories. I don't even... I don't even know. But I just wanted to screenshot it because at the end... um, Uh... Who does not like this episode may have recognized themselves in the three most toxic fans. Just bother to look twice instead of believing easy truths presented by media, people, etc. So I just wanted to bring up that whole toxic fan culture that we mentioned. And I think that's been an especially prevalent discussion lately uh, with Scream. Because yeah. that was a big theme of Scream 5. And then ironically, it's become a lot of the online discourse of the toxic fans <laughs> of Scream 5. It's, it's like we're getting meta, meta, meta with Scream now. <laughs> meta, so 
Meta, meta. Um, um, okay, out of curiosity, what did they rate it in that review? Well, it was a 10 out of 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I just like, I can't even read through all of this. It it gets, it's beyond me. You did like small town Southern Christian church, so maybe you'll be able to like, explain oh, it person, to me a I little better. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I can't wait to read that one. That's great. Yeah, you got if me not, we'll get our Pentecostal friend to <laughs> explain it. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, okay, so this one was just... Uh, this is the one... Okay, okay. I forgot I screenshotted this. So this is one of the comments that was talking about the drama from um, the YouTube pop star. So uh, Poppy, I guess, is the artist. Um... They weren't expecting much, but they immediately recognized the storyline being similar to real life. Um, they liked the escalation of an abuser taunting and attempting to control somebody who wanted to escape them to him having a murderous breakdown. And I think that's really important, too, because everybody that's been a victim of abuse has had that thought in my head of, oh, what will it take for him to get to the point where he actually is going to fucking kill me? And that's yeah. that's the the horror in this movie, I think, is again, him reaching that point. <laughs> uh, points for Julie for calling. This is going to probably be a true crime episode. Yeah, <laughs> shit. So I just, I thought that was um, a good point to bring up in yeah. this. All right. This is the this is the user review, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a longer one, but I, I wanted to get, like I said, I wanted something that had some good and some bad in it. This is, um, I want to say it was like a 6 out of 10. I didn't screenshot that part of it. Um, but it also kind of had me thinking about some of the things I do and don't like about the movie, so I thought it would be a good discussion for both of us okay. for this one. Um <laughs> So this first, this first uh, paragraph's for you. What the heck happened? Just like Black Mirror, the last two episodes slash movies, Midnight Kiss and My Valentine should end the series right now, even if we're already <laughs> in the can to lead them. <laughs> I like it. I don't even care if I don't agree with it. I like it. Well, you hate Midnight Kiss so much, and I remember on New Year's, I was like, "Hey, let's watch the <laughs> let's watch the Into the Dark New Year's episode." And you're like, "The good one or the bad one?" And I was God. like, "Be more specific. I like them both." <laughs> it's a really good New Year's one. The the first one is a great New Year's one. The second one sucks. Uh. And while I mention it, I wish they'd stop calling them episodes. If it's 90 minutes, full production value, standalone, and is produced as a movie, it's a movie. I call, I, I feel I'm like not wasting my 90 minutes per episode for any normal TV show. <laughs> I like. I have a hard time thinking. I don't even call it an episode. I call it an entry in the anthology. Yeah, that's why I, um, I feel like they're movies. I mean, yeah. it's Blumhouse, and I don't think Blumhouse does TV. It's technically, it's technically Blumhouse television, so I, I guess know, it is like... But, I mean, still, like... I. It's not, it's not a TV, man. It's a movie. <laughs> I digress. This movie is the Black Mirror equivalent to that series last episode, Rachel Jack and Ashley 2, and a blatant Scott Pilgrim versus the world ripoff. Well, without uh, yes. any of the humor, acting, originality, depth, or charm, the one thing it has going for this movie was the music. So let's just do this. Paragraph by paragraph. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I agree with the Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I immediately get those vibes to it, but I think we see it in other horror movies as well. Um, like we see it with Zombieland has some of those stylistic choices, graphics on the screen. Zombieland? Yeah, kind of. It's um, 
I feel like that one it makes sense though. That's the thing. Like in Scott Pilgrim, it makes sense because it's very much video game mm-hmm. themed. That one is like it's a display of the rules. This one is just kind of like random things. Well, and then the other movie that I'm going to call out that has a much higher writing on IMDb is The Babysitter, which Babysitter, also yeah. has those interesting stylistic choices and is also directed by somebody who got their start directing music videos. See, that's the thing. I feel like either you commit to it or you don't. The babysitter has it so prevalent in the movie that I don't question it. And this one, it happens very randomly. I feel, okay, so that's what how I remembered it going into this was that it felt very heavy at the beginning and then they dropped it near the end. But then watching it this time, it didn't feel... It didn't feel that way to me. I mean, it felt more balanced. Like once I'd seen the whole movie, like it made sense where it was happening. I think there are certain times that you should or shouldn't do something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I didn't hate it as much this time watching it, but I still do feel like it kind of is out of place a little bit. I don't know. And I'm gonna say, um, I the Americanized seasons of Black Mirror. I have a mixed relationship with. I don't like the Molly Cyrus episode. And I, it's definitely one of the weaker ones. I'm not going to say that it isn't. I don't think it's as bad as everybody says. No. I think it's like, it's a weak episode of a strong show. That's what I'm, yeah. Yeah. Black Black Mirror is such a strong series. Yeah. Even like it's decent ones are like. And it's yeah. it's really one that I think should have just been a shorter episode than it was. I think that one suffers from a bloated runtime. Yeah. But I like the story that it tells. We should cover some Black Mirror episodes we on the should. show. Black Mirror is so fucking yeah. good. Um okay. So Oh, also the music slaps. The music does slap. Yeah, the music slaps. I'm not going to refute that. Um, I would literally consider buying the soundtrack for this awful movie. It was incredible. <laughs> I respect this is just a vehicle to promote the songwriter and great singer on screen. It wasn't. No. It wasn't a vehicle for that. Oh, no. Like, I understand. I appreciate your appreciation for the music, but you're wrong about the intent behind it. Um, Basically, there's an enormously convoluted plot of a stolen identity, physical, emotional relationship abuse, and reclaiming fame. Really, if you watch this, you must already be a fan of the Into the Dark series and like this kind of music. Warning, this is not horror, despite being in a horror series. While there's gore and blood, I think the creators thought that qualified. Well, spoiler, it is also not a musical, despite there being music performed in it. Skip it, see if the soundtrack's available, and actually buy that cold. Um... I mean, uh, I disagree with it not being horror. It's definitely exploring a different type of horror. Yeah, I think this is one of those things. It's probably where I would have the bit ba- like people can like and dislike what they want in horror all day long. Totally fair and valid. You don't like this movie because it's not your jam. That's fair. Like you, you like the music a lot more than you like the story. I disagree, but I com- I completely respect your opinion. It's not a story that's going to resonate with everybody. Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, the director even said as much. Um, but I think where I'm going to be the most passionate in arguing with other horror fans is about what does and does not qualify as horror. Because I feel like there's such... 
a narrow, almost like overly academic view on what should or shouldn't count as horror. Like, does it meet these technical specs? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, this movie is horrifying in and of its own right. And I think it, it's... You don't even need to have death for it to be a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, it, it's beyond drama. Like, it's got a sinister enough edge. Because like, like I said at the beginning of the episode, like we see like lifetime or oxygen true crime shows or, or you know dramatic reenactment movies or whatever and those can firmly fit in the drama i love to read a freaking jody pico book and those are all very much drama even when they involve murder and mystery like they're firmly drama yeah um this has horror elements into it because you know and i and i'm not saying this is a hard and fast rule for every movie what for this movie, to me, pushes it from drama into horror is the very real stakes of, like, death that isn't just aimed at the victim of the abuse. It's aimed at other collateral damage. There's also the the fear of the stolen identity piece. Like, there, there are some very horrifying elements to it, and I don't think... It's the blood and gore that qualifies it as the horror in this instance. No, yeah, I it's totally the sinister agree. edge. Yeah, exactly. I definitely agree with that. I mean, it has the gore and it does have some blood, but those are definitely they take a huge backseat to all of the other horrifying things that happen in this movie. Um, who did you relate to? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I I'm gonna relate to the bandmate that. Got killed randomly, Nick. I think. Um, I think that you're ironic. Oh, about I thought you meant Julie because she got accidentally stabbed. <laughs> oh, no. first time ever. I get a dual relation because of that. <laughs> Not to say that you know, like we have issues or anything like that with communication or anything, but like, I just feel like um, there are times where I'm like, is she being ironic? I don't know. I can get it. I can get where he's coming from. It felt like it. they had instances where they felt like real people. Um, but, you know, I don't relate to like the bad relationship part. I just, uh, I don't know. He's just, he seemed like a real dude. Yeah. You know? I, no, everybody else here is just so unrelatable. One person is like super like affected by trauma. The other person is somebody there that is like a get stabbed i guess i relate to that so <laughs> uh, the other person is an asshole the other person is somebody else being manipulated and then the other one is a uh, bartender and then you got three groupies basically like there's not a lot of characters in this movie it's hard to pick somebody and then you also have the girlfriend um of the other of uh fuck what's her name rachel I don't know. rosa 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 yeah and i don't know i just fuck i relate to both of them Okay. Yeah, whatever. They're just there. I'm always just there. Scout is just a cat. She is just a cat. That is a verbatim quote from our vet. Yeah. Um. Oh, she's just a cat. <laughs> oh, Scout is just a cat. <laughs> Who'd you relate to? Um, related to Valentine. I mean, you're wearing her hair, right? <laughs> yeah, like, and that that whole speech she gave about like all of the therapy in the world are so gonna be that piece of her that's broken. Like, it, it hit in a very real way. Her 
little meerkat popping out of the hiding hole when she saw Royal in the in the crowd. Like, I get that trauma response, that hypervigilance. So. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm your joy because I'm always there for you during that shit. You're a real bro. Yeah. yeah, I'm your bro. I will take a knife from yeah. whatever the fuck happens. I got triggered during a wife swap episode. And you're like, we don't have to watch wife swap right now, babe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just uh, don't direct me to any more blue jays, please. <laughs> Don't want that happening. <laughs> All right. So, to find out who we're going to fuck next week, if you want to... No, fu- we got Dream Sequel. Oh, Dream Sequel! Oh, shit. Okay, okay, okay. How the fuck do you do a sequel to this? Nick didn't die. No. Rosa tries to steal Valentine's identity because Nick died during ah, all of that. Okay. So, she ends up... Okay, being hooked into that... Um, Sure. Something, That's really yeah. the only way you can go about this realistically because they're, they're the only two remaining I, Like, honestly, it, a dream sequel for this, I don't want it to be a horror movie. I want it to be, like, Valentine getting therapy and living a happy life and dealing with her trauma. That's what I want. There's got to be some, like, there's got to be a rockiness going on there, though. Yeah. Like, she's, yeah, Rose is definitely there stirring some shit. Or, like, maybe, um, so she's, like, trying to feel better. Like, Rosa has joined forces with the company, the record company that Royal was working with when he was producing Treasure's album. Okay. And so she's, like, working with them to try and get revenge on her and get her back into the contract slash replace her as the new Valentine slash Treasure. That's, that's an acceptable sequel right there. I'll, I'll accept that. All right. Okay. All right, now if you're wanting to do homework to figure out who we're gonna fucking fuck next week, we're fucking Mikey. We're watching Halloween too. Um, it is available to rent on YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, and Prime. Four dollars each. Is it on Shutter? No, I think you can actually stream it some places though. Um, hold on, I'm pulling. All right. Up. You have a special app that lets you know where it's streaming. I have Google. I don't know why I'm the one that does this every week when you have uh, better sources no. than me. No, you, you got it. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't stream it anywhere. Okay. You got to rent it. Yeah, we, because um, Travis is a bit of a fanboy. We own it. Oh, big boy. Big fanboy. I'm a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we obviously own it on physical media, and that's how we're going to be watching it. But Halloween 2, I think, is like one of those sequels that does a really, really good job of living up to the original. It's always a good time to watch. If you're like, I'm familiar with it. I don't need to rewatch it. Go rewatch it. It's a good fucking time. I already know some, like, cool deep information about this movie just off the top of my head i'm gonna Sweet. do another deep dive onto this shit and see if i can find some things i don't even know about all right i'm excited for it so where can oh yeah us? in the meantime if you want to you can find us on social media we got facebook we got instagram least favorite scary movie podcast we got twitter least fave pod that is the land of chaos and it's a good time um we got a tiktok I refuse to tell you our name there. Uh, we've got a website, what's your least favorite scary movie.com. We've got an email address. You can email us. You can talk to us. You can um, send links to pornographic videos that we'll assume are spam and we'll delete and report as spam. 
Um, will we? <laughs> I will. What are you going to do, Travis? I'm going to do some research, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a least favorite scary movie at gmail.com. And please, 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 whatever you are listening to this on, take the time to follow us because it helps whatever platform it is. Like, it helps the algorithm. Um, if they have any type of an option to, like, give us a number rating or review, please, please, please do that because it helps other like-minded folks find us. We can continue to have good conversations on the show and on the social medias and all of that. Social medias, Jesus Christ, I'm 500 fucking years old. What was it that I said this weekend that you were making fun of me? Um, the um, You called something that is... The uh, liquor barns. Yeah, the liquor barns yeah. instead of just liquor barn. The liquor like, barns. I can't even get alcohol like a young person anymore. Oh, no, that was it. Yeah, the liquor barns. Is what yeah, we went to the Kroger's and then afterwards we hit up the liquor barns. <laughs> yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. All, All right. right. Until next time, if I haven't died of old age before then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>